0: This podcast is your go-to resource for getting back to life after breast cancer. Hello, I am Laura Lummer, and you are listening to the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach. This is episode 24, Cleanse and Restore, Rebuilding Your Strength and Vitality Naturally with Ayurveda. And I'm super excited about this show because I love Ayurveda, and I know the more you learn about it, the more you'll love it as well. First of all, thank you so much for taking the time to download the show, to listen into the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach, and thanks to all of you who have left reviews and comments for the show in the iTunes store. If you're listening for the first time, or if you're a regular listener, and you can find the time to go to the iTunes store and just leave a review, click on a couple of stars, or write a comment, I really, really appreciate you taking that time and making this show easier for more people to find. So let's get right into it. We are still in the first month of spring. And traditionally, spring is a time for cleansing, right? Spring cleaning. And that doesn't only apply to your dressers and to your attics, but to your body as well. Personally, I'm not a huge fan of extreme cleanses because I really believe that the body has its natural ability to heal and cleanse itself in the right environment. And that means that... We can't be filling our bodies with chemicals and crappy food and then expecting it to cleanse and restore itself properly. So today, I'll talk a little bit about cleansing in a very gentle Ayurvedic way, knowing that there are many more deep cleanses you can go into in Ayurveda, but I'm just going to touch on this introductory part of it. And then I'll talk about restoring and rejuvenating the body with some important and powerful Ayurvedic herbs that are called Rasayanas. These herbs restore your body's energy and its ability to heal itself and to slow the onset of aging, which who doesn't want that, right? It's important to recognize, though, that I talk about cleansing and rebuilding because those go hand in hand, right? When you're going in and you're cleansing yourself and you're getting all the gunk out of your tissues, it's important then to come back into rebuilding your health from a really stable platform using very nutritive and restorative foods and herbs to support that. So one of the ways that we cleanse our body is, of course, by cleaning up our diet. But what if you have cleaned up your diet and you're eating whole foods, but those whole foods and tons of fruits and veggies that you're eating aren't all organic, which oftentimes is not an affordable thing, and they're tainted because of the chemicals that are used to grow and harvest them. I bring that up because I want to refer you to an incredible book. It came out, I think, just in February, and it's called Whitewashed, The Story of a Weed Killer, Cancer, and the Corruption of Science. This book is written by Carrie Gillum, and the reason I bring up the book is not only because it's really well-written, but more importantly, I think that bringing more awareness to what our food is being exposed to is at a very critical point. Now, I try... Not to get too political, because my platform and my passion are health and wellness, and I don't consider myself to be well-informed when it comes to many political issues. However, when politics and corporate chemical mongering taint our food supply, I really think it's time that we pay attention and that we begin to create awareness. With as much as 90 to 95% of cancer diagnosis attributable, and that's all kinds of cancer, not just breast cancer, attributable to lifestyle and environmental causes, it's crucial that we become informed of the potential risks that are out there so that we can make informed decisions about what is acceptable in our lives and our diets and the diets of those who we love. And I know many times, I'm sure you've said, I've heard myself say, oh my gosh, if I had to protect myself from everything that might cause cancer, I'd literally not be able to eat or drink anything. And there's a lot of truth to that, you know, lots of places you go, you see may cause cancer, may cause cancer. But it's important, I think, in this book and the attention that um, Carrie Gillum brings to what is happening to our food supply, that we have that information so that we have an understanding that this is something we can actually take action against because it doesn't have to be this way. This book, Whitewashed, is written by a very experienced journalist, Carrie Gillum. Her career led her to becoming a senior U.S. correspondent for Reuters, covering the agricultural industry in the late 1990s. And her experience, her travels, and her relationships with both farmers and corporate agricultural companies gave her a ton of insight into not only the American food supply, but into our global food supply. In 2015, she became the research director for the U.S. Right to Know, and that is a nonprofit organization with a mission to educate and inform consumers about political and corporate actions that influence our food system. This book focuses primarily on the herbicide Roundup, whose main ingredient is glyphosate. Glyphosate was patented by Monsanto, and it is being promoted as safe for humans and wildlife, and environmentally as being one of, if not the safest herbicide in history, according to Monsanto's website. After hearing Gillum present political and scientific facts about this widely used herbicide, I mean, much more widely used than I had even understood, and the actions that have been taken to protect the reputation of this herbicide, and to discredit anyone who claims that glyphosate is a human carcinogen, you might think twice about the food purchases that you make. Oddly enough, the day after I finished reading this book, I was talking with my husband about the concerns that I had over what I had read. And an article came out that same day by EcoWatch, and it was posted on Flipboard and Moms Across America's website. And this article was talking about Nearly a dozen of the top beer and wine brands tested positive for glyphosate. This chemical has been shown to have links to non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, kidney disease, birth defects, and other types of cancers too. So I highly recommend that you check it out. And although Gillum refers to a lot of science in this book, it is anything but dry. It's really an engaging page turner. And if you do read it and feel compelled to take some type of action, know that currently the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, is accepting comments from the public until the end of this month, April 30th, 2018. As the registration for the use of glyphosate and some other herbicides are under review, whether or not they'll be renewed to continue to be used at the level they're being used. So I'll post the links to the book and to the website where you can go and post comments to the EPA if you choose to do so on the show notes for this episode. So let's stay informed and let's stand up for the safety of our food supply. Okay, moving on, let's talk about racianas. Rasayana is one of the eight branches of Ayurveda, and it's most closely related to the Western concept of anti-aging. Rasayana is an entire science in itself, and it includes lifestyle practices, improving digestion, incorporating foods and herbs that are known to strengthen the tissues of the body, promoting a stronger immune system, and restoring health while slowing the aging process at the same time. So, rasa in Ayurveda is the plasma of the body. It's considered the primordial tissue of the body. And whatever improves the rasa is called a rasayana. Now, this word literally means the path that rasa takes. So, plants are considered to be rasayanas if they have the following properties, according to Ayurveda if they reestablish youth and prevent aging, they strengthen the brain, the mind, and life overall. They help to prevent disease and to promote longevity. So I want to talk about Recyana today because I was actually inspired to do this show by a conversation I had earlier this week. I was talking with a woman who's my age in her early 50s, and she's having some significant issues with moving her body around. And she noticed that she's losing a lot of muscle tone and she's feeling weaker and weaker. And in talking with her, I was reminded of how often I meet people who think that they're either too old to improve their physical health or to increase their strength, or they just believe that many physical limitations they're experiencing and choosing to live with are part of this new normal and that there's nothing that they can do about it. I want to assure you that from both an Eastern and a Western approach to health, you are never too old to strengthen your body and to improve your health. I can remember long into the process of watching my dad deal with type two diabetes, I tried to encourage him to take action, knowing, knowing, not guessing, but knowing that he could improve his situation. And I knew he was hearing the same information from his own doctors. Improving his health was not a question of options, but a question of intention and commitment. And this is the case with pretty much anyone in the absence of disease, of course. So Rasayana is not only a practice for someone who's ill and trying to recover, but it's also a practice for those who are healthy and want to remain strong and live a vibrant life. So it's really for everybody. Now, Rasayana is an entire lifestyle practice, as I mentioned earlier. It includes healthy thinking, having a nourishing diet, having healthy social interactions, meditation, which is a big part of Rasayana, practicing peaceful management of worry and stress, And we don't have time to go into all of that this episode, so what I'm going to do is just give you this simple outline for an Ayurvedic approach to restoring your body, and then we'll talk about these herbs that are considered Rasayanas, and we'll look at what the herbs do for you, ways that you can incorporate them into your life, and of course, with your doctor's permission. So I'll post an awesome resource for herbs, because I know the first question is when you hear about herbs is where do I get them? And I posted this resource on other shows also on show notes pages. And I put it out there not because I get paid to promote them, but because this is the resource that I use. They're very high quality. They're Wonderful, dependable, and this company itself is very knowledgeable in Ayurveda. So even on the website, the website itself is a great resource to learn about Ayurveda and to learn about herbal medicines. So for me, it's just a very trusted place to go, and it's the place that I refer anyone who asks me about uh, herbs and where to get them. So check out the show notes page for the link after you finish this show. Now, when we're aiming to restore the body, to restore health and to strengthen the tissues of the body, it's important to prepare the body for these restorative treatments. And a part of that preparation is to cleanse the body. So you want to support the body with non-toxic nourishment and give your body the ability to strengthen its own power to heal. And this can be as simple as committing to a week of eliminating sugar, alcohol, and processed food from your diet or focusing on eating as many fruits and vegetables as you can, just for one week. Try it for one week. You can do anything for one week, right? If you went through chemotherapy for the many months you did, you can do something good for yourself for one week. If you know a little bit more about cleansing, or you like to go into it deeper, and you have a routine that you like that involves other ways of addressing the tissues of the body, that's fine too. But what I'm saying is you can just start simply. Eliminate some of these Foods that we know are toxic and incorporate lots of things that are healthy in fiber and phytonutrients for that week just to cleanse that body and kind of strengthen your body's ability to heal. While you're eating this cleansing diet, you want to stimulate the lymphatic system and the flow of blood through giving yourself vigorous self massage. And by vigorous, I mean applying warm oil to your body using a modest amount of pressure and friction. So you really, you know. Using kind of quick up and down strokes, creating a little bit of heat and friction as you're giving yourself this massage. So you're rubbing yourself, think of it as if you were really cold and trying to warm yourself up. Do this each morning before showering with the oil on your body and use a pure non perfumed oil like sesame or coconut or olive oil. Another preparatory step is the cleansing of the internal organs. So Ayurveda can go really deep into this, and there are places that you can go to to experience what's called panchakarma. And this is an intense and often can be a pretty expensive cleansing process if you find a place in the United States that, that does it. But you can also do some things yourself very easily at home. And again, know that this is a suggested part of the ritual in preparing yourself for rebuilding in Rasayana. But if you're not comfortable with any of these practices, then don't do them. So some things that you can do at home are to cleanse the large intestine by using an enema or conducting a deeper intestinal cleanse by using products that you can purchase over the counter at your local drugstore, just as you would if you were preparing for a colonoscopy or another similar procedure. You can cleanse your respiratory passages with a practice called nasium. And nausea is basically lying down with your head tilted back and then dropping one or two drops of a medicated oil into each nostril and then deeply inhaling this oil into the sinuses. Many Ayurvedic companies make nausea oils, or you can just use a good quality olive or sesame oil without any herbs in it. This is what I do, and this is what I have my husband do to help with his allergies at home is first cleansing with the neti pot, that saline solution through the nostrils, and then following with the inhalation of oils. And it's really therapeutic, and I have seen some amazing results for people who've had chronic sinus issues, and even eye infections and issues with their eyes clear up when they use this practice regularly. If you're looking for a nausea oil or if you're looking for any type of these um, intestinal cleansing products, you can ask the pharmacist at your local drugstore about what people use for cleansing for a colonoscopy and they can give you the right referral. And there are a couple of other traditional Ayurvedic practices, but they're very intense and they involve things that could cause harm if you don't know what you're doing. So we're not going to go in too deeply to those. We're not going to go into those at all because it's really some practices that you want to be working with an experienced Ayurvedic practitioner or a physician when you're doing. So the ones that we talked about are easy and they're safe to do at home. And these are ones you don't have to worry about. So during this preparatory stage, it's also good to incorporate meditation daily, even if it's just for five minutes, or at least to try to reduce the stress and the overexertion in your life so that you can feel calm and connected with yourself during this period of becoming prepared. So going through this preparatory stage, it's important to get your body ready for the rebuilding process so that the rebuilding process is more effective. I hear from a lot of people, oh, I can't meditate. I don't do that. I just, my mind is too busy. I have too much. I can't even possibly think about sitting down for five minutes. And that's why you do it. That's even more important for you. If you're saying, I can't calm my mind down, then you need to work on calming your mind down. And very simply, just Closing your eyes and noticing the breath entering the body, that sensation of the breath as it hits the nose as you breathe in. And just try to focus on that sensation, following the breath for five minutes. It doesn't have to be anything more than that. You don't have to start off with extravagant mantras or trying to clear your mind of thoughts. You know, just follow the breath for five minutes. And this will give remarkable results for you just in and of itself. So again, it doesn't mean that any of these things are mandatory or that restorative herbs won't be beneficial for you if you decide to just begin incorporating them. So don't let the idea of cleansing for a week stop you from incorporating restorative herbs into your life. Just know that that cleansing process is just a really neat way to get the body ready and also to get your mind and your emotions ready because it gives you that time to really connect with yourself and see how you're feeling. So although there are a lot of Rasayana herbs, we're going to look at three. Easy to find. You can go to Whole Foods or Sprouts or Amazon and get these. And if you need a refresher, if I refer to doshas and you want a refresher or you never heard episode 17, what is a dosha? You can go back and listen to that and that might help you feel a little more informed as we talk about the effects of these Rasayana herbs. So one of the most well-known and very effective rasayanas is called Chavamprosh. Chavamprosh is literally the stuff of legends in Ayurveda. And so it has a story behind it, as so many things in Ayurveda do, which is another reason I love it. The story goes that there's an old sage named Chavan, and he's meditating in the forest, and this young girl comes dancing by him, and she accidentally touches his head. And because of that, because of that contact, she becomes obligated to marry him. And in order to please his new young wife, this sage seeks out some Ayurvedic physicians to create a combination of herbs to restore his youth and vitality. And this combination of herbs over the centuries becomes known as Chironprosh. So you can find Chiramprash made by many different companies. And now each company might even tweak their recipe a little bit so you may find chawan prash that has anywhere from 20 to 40 different herbs. And they're all mixed into this. It's a jam or like a jelly. And some of the restorative herbs that are cooked into this jam are traditionally amalaki, pippali, ashwagandha, cardamom, and lots of others. And they're mixed into honey or jaggery, and that creates this type of a jam. So you can... Mix a teaspoon of this jam into warm water and make kind of a tea out of it. That's my favorite way to do it. You can eat it by the spoonful. I know a lot of people who love Chaman Prash by the spoonful. Or you can put it on toast or on crackers. So it really depends on taste preference, for me, Chuan Prash is a little strong to just take as a regular jam, but I love it as a tea. It's got a nice sweetness, and it doesn't have an off-putting flavor, at least the ones that I've experienced have it. It's really kind of nice. And again, I do know a lot of people who love eating it by the teaspoonful who really enjoy the flavor. So it's packed with vitamin C, and it's considered to be one of the most powerful Rasahinas in Ayurveda. Chuan Prash is said to strengthen the immune system, rejuvenate the mind and body, stimulate the metabolism, and support the respiratory system. And again, it's actually quite tasty, so it makes it easy to incorporate it into your life as a daily supplement to your already healthy diet. Amalaki, one of the main ingredients of Chavanprash, is the next resina we're going to talk about. Amalaki is a rejuvenative and detoxifying herb. It's good for all doshas, but it's especially helpful for people who have a lot of heat or what's known as pitta in their body. And this can present itself as inflammation, heartburn, rashes, diarrhea, just to name a few symptoms of very high pitta. Amalaki powder is made from the fruit of the amla or amalaki tree, and it's one of the three ingredients in triphala. And triphala is a renowned bowel tonifier in Ayurveda. Triphala is something that people can use every day, and rather than being a laxative in the terms of irritating the bowels and the intestines to encourage movement, Trifla strengthens and restores the colon and the intestines, and it's really an amazing herb that we'll have to do a whole other show on trifla So Amalaki strengthens tissues, it's especially good for bones, teeth, and hair, and it also relieves inflammation especially of the stomach and the colon according to Ayurveda, so you can see why it's an important component in triphala. It's a natural antioxidant and it's the main source of the vitamin C in Chumampras. In Ayurveda, Amalaki is used to support functioning of the liver, the spleen, pancreas and the lungs, and to support the regulation of blood sugar. It's used as an expectorant and to reduce frequency of headaches and to improve memory. In scientific studies, Amalaki has been shown to be an antioxidant, antimicrobial, to improve hyperacidity, to improve cholesterol levels, and to have anti-tumor effects by increasing the activity of natural killer cells in tumor-bearing rats. Amalaki is a cooling herb and it's got a sweet post-digestive effect or vipaka. In Ayurveda, we look at the flavor. So you're looking at the taste of each thing and how those tastes affect the body. And even though something might taste one way on the tongue, it may have another, bo- another effect on the body afterwards. So once it gets into the system and Amalaki, that taste is to- is said to be sweet. In Ayurveda, it's the sweet taste of food and in herbs that has the restorative effect on a very energetic level. So this does not apply to sugary foods. You can't get the same thing with ding-dongs. But foods with a natural sweetness like fruits or whole grains, oatmeal for instance. The sweetness of these foods which restores the body can be likened to sweetness of say love which we know love is healing and restorative, which is why we refer to cakes and pies and ice cream and cookies as comfort food. They're the foods our parents gave us on special occasions, and they remind us of love and comfort, which we know has nothing to do with the food itself, but everything to do with the energetics of that food. And the energetic of sweetness is restorative, calming, and comforting. The third Rasayana was a little bit tough for me to pick because there are really a lot of great herbs out there, and some that I especially love, Shatavri, Ashwagandha, and the different Googles. They're amazing, and lots of content for future podcasts to come up, and I'll save them for other shows. So I decided to go with a restorative herb for the mind, and this Rasayana is called Brahmi. It's also known as Gotu Kola or Bacopa, but Bacopa and Gotu Kola are a little bit different varieties of this plant. They have similar actions to Brahmi, and they can be used if they're more accessible than Brahmi. It's one of the big debates in Ayurvedic medicine is Bacopa the same as Brahmi and which variety of which plant has the most power, but they're all very similar. So the literal meaning of Brahmi is which expands consciousness or what gives knowledge. Throughout history, Brahmi has been known by different names in the Hindu texts that have meanings ranging from liked by the gods and good for mental work to arrest old age. So you can tell this already has some pretty cool effects. Brahmi is a brain tonic. It has sedative actions on the brain, and it's used in Ayurveda to relieve anxiety and insomnia and to improve memory. Chemo brain or not, most of us can use that, right? Who doesn't want to improve your memory? In scientific studies, Brahmi has shown to have anti-cancer, anti-inflammatory, antioxidant effects, and to improve the ability to learn. In the book, The Yoga of Herbs, which was written by a world-renowned Ayurvedic physician who I know I've referred to before, Dr. Vasant Lad, and he wrote in The Yoga of Herbs that Brahmi tea taken with honey before meditation is a great aid in the practice And that brahmi ghee is an important medicine for the mind and the heart and should be kept in every home. So ghee is a clarified butter. And thanks to the paleo movement, ghee has become tremendously popularized in the West. And you can find it now in just about every Whole food store. I've even seen it at Ralph's recently. And you can purchase it on Amazon ghee is often used as a delivery system for herbs in ayurveda because you can cook the herbs into the ghee to extract the fat soluble components and infuse the herb into this butter. In this case, it's referred to as a medicated ghee once you've cooked the herbs into it. And you can easily find medicated ghee's with a Google search online, and they can be very, very effective and easy to take because you can put this ghee on toast and you can cook your food and you can use a medicated ghee that's got herbal flavors in it and cook rice or quinoa or vegetables and things like that. So it's a great way to get some medicinal herbs into your diet, into your routine. Because ghee is a clarified butter and it has the milk solids removed from it, Ayurveda says that ghee does not have a negative impact on cholesterol. And scientific studies have shown that up to 10% of your daily calories taken from ghee doesn't seem to have a negative impact on serum cholesterol levels either. A study that I'll again post on the show notes page shows that taking medicated ghee may even help to improve cholesterol profiles. Even though, that being said, especially if you have high cholesterol, always check with your doctor before you incorporate something like this into your diet if it might adversely affect your health. So this should set you up with a nice, gentle spring cleanse and rejuvenation routine that you could start today. Ayurveda is a beautiful science, and herbs are nature's powerful medicines. So when you hear me talk about the effects of these herbs, maybe you think, um, that just sounds too good to be true. But the fact is that plant medicines healed and supported people for thousands of years before pharmaceutical companies decided to duplicate, magnify, standardize, and patent all these drugs that are basically based on what plant medicines can do. Even the chemotherapy drug Taxol or Taxotere was initially derived from the bark of an evergreen tree named the Pacific yew. And then so many yews were being cut down to make these chemotherapy drugs that they found another way to get this key element out of the needles of another um, evergreen. So never underestimate the power of natural medicine, and be sure to check with your physician before you take any new herb, especially if you're already taking pharmaceutical medications. Please, your safety is the most important thing. Now, if you have a spring cleansing routine or a rejuvenation routine that works for you, I would love to hear about it. Please find me on Facebook as Laura Lummer or on Instagram as the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach and post about your routine because I believe that knowledge is power and the more knowledge we can share with each other, the better. Thank you so much again for listening to today's show. And if you enjoyed it and you have the time to leave a rating or a comment at the iTunes store, I would really, really appreciate it. Also, don't forget to go to my website, lauralummer.com, where you can download my free ebook, The Sixth Habits of Healthy, Happy Breast Cancer Survivors. All right, until next time, let your lifestyle be your medicine. You've tamed the voices in your head. You've put your courage to the test. Laid all your doubts to rest. Your mind is clearer than before. Your heart is full and wanting more. Your future's at the door. Give it all you got. No hesitating, you've been waiting all your life This is your moment